y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast here at Outsider. Uh, obviously, I'm your host, Marty Smith. Got a cast of thousands today. Travis Rockhold's with me, as always, and the voice of Coffee Town Football. The legend, Wes Blankenship, is here to share with us what it's like to have a lifelong dream fulfilled as his Bravos win the World Series here in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you define what that means for Georgians everywhere? Well, I I think it really like takes this monkey off of the back of people that feel like it was really going to be impossible to see either the Falcons or Braves, uh, Hawks, Georgia, Georgia Tech win a championship. Uh, we've now seen with our own eyes that is possible. I was five years old the last time the Braves won a World Series. And uh, it, it just kind of I think it, it just tears down that narrative. That's what the Braves are saying. That was their unofficial hashtag, kill the narrative, that an Atlanta team can't win at all. So they did it. And uh, it was special to see. I went to game five where they lost, but I got to see a uh, World Series Grand Slam with my brother and some of our high school buddies. So that was fun. That was special. We'll never forget that. And then uh, getting to FaceTime after game six when they won it and talked to all those same people sip some whiskey into the wee hours of the morning and celebrate something that we hadn't seen in a quarter century. It was awesome. Are you sober yet? I got to tell you, my alcohol intake has increased a great deal. (laughs) I normally don't drink very much, if at all, on weekdays, but this whole postseason run uh, has changed that trend for me. So um, I'm getting back on track this week. Well, being a parent... Uh, I can tell you that that might change as you progress through parenthood too, sir. Uh, I used to be the same way. I was a weekend warrior, but not now. I had plenty of wine last night, in fact. I'm partly cloudy and ready to get rowdy here today on this podcast. We got so much to discuss, of course, starting with the Braves, as Wes was discussing there. Got the CMAs coming up this week. College football is in full swing. We'll discuss that. But I want to start today with something that's very important to all of us at Outsider, and that is Veterans Day coming up on Thursday. Uh, We're so grateful for our veterans and the sacrifice that they've made to make sure that we live in the greatest country in the world. It's funny to me, man, uh, what we consider heroic. And, you know, this guy's a hero or that guy's a hero. What's really heroic is – all of those who made the personal decision to serve in the United States military and sacrifice so that we can be free. And I wanted to start our show saying that. Uh, Anybody that knows anything about me knows that my grandfather served in World War II, and I had the great opportunity to sit him down and have a long conversation with him about that service in 2009. It was about a six-hour conversation about his time in the Battle of the Bulge and serving under General George S. Patton. So thank you. If you've served this country, uh, we're grateful for you, and we're thankful for everything that you've done. Uh, Certainly uh, here at Outsider, I'll speak for everybody involved. Uh, So I wanted to get the show started that way today. Um, All right, so I was in the carpool line earlier. and (laughs) Is that the the worst place to be at? It's a, it's a test of patience. It's, it's a very unique test of patience, but I will tell you I've learned this year that some of the greatest conversations that I have with my daughter, my youngest, Vivian, 
happen in that carpool line because we drop her older two siblings off at the high school and the middle school. And then there's this substantial window of time between dropping them off and getting over to the elementary school where she goes and dropping her off. So we sit in this lengthy, lengthy snake of cars that is backed up for a mile uh, outside the elementary school until 745 when they finally open that carpool line. I mean, we're usually sitting there in that line for 15 minutes, maybe more some days. And she, yesterday, Lainey took her and her buddy Ava down to the American Girl store, all right? So they go down to the American Girl store, and I am trying to follow Vivian detailing the play-by-play -play for me about their experience at the American Girl store. She may as well have been speaking Sanskrit. I mean, I don't know what she's Can talking about, getting hair Sanskrit? done. Yeah. yeah, hold on a second. I don't... <laughs> I think you're trying to say she speaks Spanish. I don't think you can speak Sanskrit, Marty. Yes, you can. Why can't you? Sanskrit a is a language. <laughs> nope. I don't know, man. I think that's like only, it's like Latin, right? Like it's written on a stone somewhere. It might be, it might be on a tablature. You know, it might be a, on a, some parchment sealed away somewhere, Sanskrit. <laughs> but you can't speak it? How can you write something and not speak it? I think it's more communicated through the power of song. I think that's how Sanskrit works. Really? Well, aren't you speaking yeah, you, if you're in a song? You say it. You say it with your heart. Okay. Well, Travis is looking it up right now, so we'll see what he has to say here. It's spoken you by know what? Wait, what? Did yeah. you just say spoken? <laughs> say it again for the people in the back, Rockhold. Say it in Sanskrit. <laughs> it, it, it. Nobody speaks it, Marty. Listen, Vivian's right, smart. Vivian's smart, but she's not speaking Sanskrit. What? Did you not just say the word spoken? What? What? You didn't finish your sentence. Yes, it can be spoken. Okay. All right. So she was. I wasn't sentence. saying it doesn't exist. I just wanted to clarify that it was like an actual thing that's still spoken out there. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. I do wonder if it's even still around. Is is Sanskrit extinct? Travis, go to the Google machine and tell us what you think. From the BBC, it's now spoken by less than 1% of Indians and mostly used by Hindu priests during religious ceremonies. See? Spoken with your heart, just like I said. So wait, are we all right? I mean, have we found a harmonious ending here? So it's, spoke, it's spoken by uh, Indians, Hindus, uh, priests, and Vivian. That's awesome. Vivian. Well, <laughs> as she was uh, detailing this outing for me, I thought about the fact that, like, this is the one place, this carpool line, which I have loathed and Lainey cannot tolerate. It's the one place where I get undivided attention from my little girl. And so I am finding great, great uh, opportunity in this moment to listen to her tell me about her little cat Caroline, her American Girl doll, getting her hair done and uh and all the little dresses and accessories that they get to look at and helping her buddy ava pick out this was ava's first time she ever got an american girl doll and so they're picking out like what you know i guess there's a trillion different options that you can get about the eye color or hair color or whatever and so they're picking out the right perfect doll for ava and vivi looked at me she goes dad i gotta be honest it was a lot more fun than i thought it was gonna be we had so much fun. 
And I said, well, what was fun about it? She goes, well, we got to eat at Panera in the food court. <laughs> Don't you want that perspective in life? I want that perspective in life. I want, the, I want to be able to have that kind of joy in life. Me too. I think we That's all, I, mean. I think the lesson here is uh, to be more like, uh, how old is Vivian? Nine. Be more like a nine-year-old. Well, I, I want know this. Those conversations just fill me up. And she loves music, that one. But have you been to the American Doll store? Is that something that Lainey kind of... What's that like? Cause I, I, to, I've as been a, once. As a single male, it sounds like... You can't uh, show up there, Travis. It sounds, like going go to there, I, it sounds like going to an no. Ikea. I just want to avoid. Yeah, if I were you, I wouldn't go to the American Girls store. No, I'm not saying Travis. I'm going to go now. I'd stay away from there if I were you, because... They might call John Law on you. No, but. I'm not saying now. I'm just saying, like, as like, and if Travis you have is girls. Back. <laughs> Wes, do you have a boy or girl? Uh, we have a girl. She'll be two this winter. So, American girl, feel like, is buddy. in my future. Um, yep. And the Cabbage Patch doll assembly plant, if that's what you want to call it, is actually within a couple hours of us here in Georgia. And I went once and it terrified me. So, wait a minute. If it is comes down to, yeah. Yeah, they dude, still make them. Like a, yeah, they still make them, dude. They do. They I didn't like. Know that. They pop out of this giant piece of cabbage. I mean, it yeah, is, I've seen that. It's a spiritual experience <laughs> that I hope I never see again. I think you're going to though. You have to take uh, your no, daughter I'll there. The, I'll go to the American Girl store before we go back to that cabbage patch. The yeah. assembly of the American Girl reminds me of GI Joes in a way, uh, like. There was that G.I. Joe, I feel like, that every kid wanted, whether it was the paratrooper, the heavy artillery. Um, you could assemble the G.I. Joes in a similar way, but it's nowhere near the commitment of the American girl, from what I understand. Well, see, maybe the American girl will evolve in a similar fashion that the G.I. Joe did. See, back in the day, the G.I. Joe was like a big, tall action figure. Like a big old badass. And then cartoons happened and they became littler badasses. And you had <laughs> Snake Eyes. Remember Snake Eyes? Yes. Who else was there? I should know all their names. I forget. Was there a guy named Gung Ho? Did I make that up? You may uh, have, but, but I was the bigger guy. You, I, I, I liked the bigger ones. I was a little more old school, I think, than I had the cartoon. so many. Awesome. G.I. Joe action figures when I was a kid. I mean, I appreciate that my parents kept buying them for me for every birthday oh, and yeah. every Christmas. But that was brilliant marketing. Whoever, and I watched a documentary on this during COVID, during all the quarantine lockdown on Netflix. Wait, did you say, did you say gung-ho? Yeah, wasn't there a gung-ho? Yeah, gung-ho was a Marine. Thought so. He was a sleeveless, yoked-up dude who had a little hat on his head, wore shades. Uh I, I don't have a photo of him, but I know that his uh, grade was he was an E7. All right, what's that mean? I I, I think he was. Uh, you mean not, he speaks Sanskrit? Yes, he speaks. I think he's more of kind of uh, the rank and file. I'm not sure though. We're just getting reckless here with things. How's yeah, your name Gung Ho and your rank and file? No one named Gung Ho has been rank and file in anything ever. I'm looking I'm up his pay grade. So what I loved about G.I. Joe the most, I'll never forget. Do y'all remember the Humvee, G.I. Joe Humvee that was about, I don't know, maybe a foot long? 
I love, I got that thing for maybe my, I don't know, ninth or 10th birthday. And, you know, we, I, I grew up working on a cattle farm, my, my family's farm, and we had, we have Sinking Creek runs right through our land. We have like, I don't know, three quarters of a mile maybe of creek front land. And I would take that GI Joe Humvee down to the creek side with all my little GI Joes. And I, okay, going back to the, the mindset and the perspective of a nine-year-old. I want to go feel that again. Where I mean, I didn't care about anything in the world except for making the perfect bunker for gung-ho and the boys with that Humvee and that mud mm. and that water. It was awesome. Like, it was just so simple. And I want that back in my life. I don't have that right now. And G.I. Joe's were the toys that you could. So I, I had two groups of things that I would always get. It was G.I. Joe's and then starting lineups. But starting oh, lineups. I mean, everybody had starting lineups. But, uh, I mean, I Travis, probably, like, you and I and my little brother had very similar action figure interests, man. You're bringing but, me back, dude. But, see, here's the thing. With a lot of my starting lineups, I didn't take them out of the box. I collected them. Now, or oh. if, I, if I got duplicates, then I would open up one. But a lot of them, they're still in the box. Like, my bedroom, if you go to my bedroom back home in Ohio... It's like being whisked back to like 1996. There's still starting lineups hanging up on the wall. I have Michael Jordan's first two starting lineups in my, right over here. I have them wow. both still in the package. Yeah, I've got a I've got a couple still in the package also. Like my dad. How much older am I than you two? Like I'm ten years older. I'm 33. Okay. Yeah. How old I'm are you? 31. Guys? Okay, I'm a lot older than you guys, but I had starting lineups too. I guess I was. A little bit more of a fossilized human than y'all are, but the first starting lineup that comes to my mental image is Jerry Rice. I like. I feel like there's one where he's kind of like, like his hands are up. Am I making that up? Uh, no. No. Do you have that, that? Is then there's the Jerry Rice, Steve Young, the both in the package. I have that one. I think Whoa, Jerry Rice is two for one, and I think he's actually. I remember that. I think he's actually wearing uh, compression shorts in the starting lineup. I'm looking it up. It might have oh been my Steve gosh, Young. That is, that's that is sort insane of insane detail. Listen, starting lineup for <laughs> sorry, uh, Steve Young was wearing compression shorts in the starting lineup. Jerry Rice had uh, full uniform on. So what was that about then? Why did they like choose to give Steve? Yeah, I mean, I, why would Jerry be dressed and ready to go to battle and Steve would it. be in his compression shorts? Was he late for the meeting? Uh, you know, quarterbacks got treated differently. Practice time, you know, probably just like, hey, they're not going to get hit anyways. I mean, I don't know. That I mean, seems it, odd. I think Steve Young probably just showed up to practice and was like, I'm wearing shorts today. What are you, like, you going to do? We should get Steve on the phone and ask him why he didn't show up in his uniform. I wonder, that, I wonder if he has any idea about this. I'll, I'll hit up so, ESPN. So you know how he up. knows. You know how guys like now get pissed off about their Madden ratings or whatever? Do you think before Madden existed and we only had starting lineups, that was the thing? Like, Steve Young's, like, why, did that, why didn't they put pants on me in my starting lineup? Yeah, you, for you sure. William that? Floyd. William Floyd definitely walked in the locker room in San Francisco holding the Jerry Rice, Steve Young starting lineup going, Steve, what the hell, man? How come they didn't put no pants on you, dude? I, uh, it's a simpler time. I had a D Danny White Dallas Cowboys starting lineup, and my aunt and uncle, one of the dogs, got a hold of it and ripped off one of his arms. 
and you would have you would have thought at, it was like it was Danny White. Why the hell did I care? But it was one of my oh, starting lineups. But we I still have it to this day. I was like, and Ivy Soft, and I'll send a photo to him. Like, what is your most valuable athletic trading card that you have in your collection? Trading card. Oh, geez. Oh, Lord. I, um, Sport doesn't matter. Well, not to not to like overdo the Braves fanboy stuff here, but I got a Chipper Jones rookie somewhere in my parents' basement that I'd, I'd shed grown man tears if I if I lost it. You need to get Chipper to sign it. Yeah, you should get him to autograph that. What are you doing, Wesley? Come on, Chipper. Chipper's kind of a recluse. Chipper hasn't, and we can get back to the trading card. I, I do have one note on Chipper. I don't believe he's tweeted about the Braves winning the World Series. Not that that's the benchmark of communication here. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> it isn't, but I, I kind I of respect it. that because I feel like Chipper is just letting the guys have their moment. Well, it's also because Chipper's probably in a deer stand right now, still celebrating it. So like I, Travis yeah. will remember better than I do, but I swear last April we had Chipper Jones on Marty Smith's America. And he picked the Braves to win the World Series. Now, he was all mm. in on talking about how Acuna was going to be the MVP and before the injuries right. and et cetera, et cetera. But Travis, did it, didn't he pick them to win it? I could go back and check, but I don't want to – I think we're all in agreement that Chipper is amazing, but for Chipper to pick the Braves, it's not exactly like – well, they it's have, revelatory. Wait, wait, they like have that's won like since 1999. Okay, but that's like West Chipper picking the Georgia Bulldogs trade. to win the national Chip, championship. Chipper that's not like a crazy trade. take. Uh, I don't know. I think Chipper's a little bit more objective, and I'm objective about about Georgia. I've I've seen enough in my in my day to not like be that uh, rose colored glasses guy that can't see see the truth. You know. Now, this What's the team truth this year? Is the truth. This team's the truth. Yeah. Sorry, Travis. Why? Uh, I can just name off the starting lineup on their defense. I mean, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, Channing Tindall, uh, Keely Ringo. I mean, it's like every level of the defense. The secondary was the biggest question coming in, and they're actually really freaking good, too. Um, I don't. I mean, it starts and ends with the defense. I think if you're Kirby Smart and you're hearing for the last three, four years that you can't win a championship with defense anymore, I think Kirby kind of took that personally. That's the Michael Jordan uh, meme right there, last dance. And I took that personally. I mean, I think that's how Kirby feels about it. That's what he's trying to prove. And so far, it looks like he, he can. But uh, if they get in a shootout, I do want to see how much – JT Daniels is potentially needed at quarterback, but Stetson's got the guys rallied around him right now. He's got that intangible. He's, so he's pulling plays out of his ass. First of all, do does the Braves winning change your approach and how you view the Georgia Bulldogs? As what do you a, mean, like as like just if like they, a, like if they don't win, I'll be okay with. Well, so, no, no, or? no. Did you th like now? You think okay, one team won. Like that monkey's off the back. Like we can do it. Does it change like how yeah. you feel? Like are you, like are you a pessimist still? Kind of like a curse. Something's going to happen to us, or does it change? No, I think it makes it feel like that, that much more. I guess. I mean, look, I grew up listening to Larry Munson. 
Robinson. He was the most pessimistic guy there was when it came to covering the team. And but I think you're on something there, Travis. What it's do you point. think, Marty? I mean, you've seen him up close this year more than I have. I've I've watched a lot of games at home. Uh, I would have told you when JT got hurt and was missing those games that I had a lot of concern whether or not they could win a shootout, but all he's done is continue to prove me wrong. Uh, I mean, I feel like Kentucky has a pretty good defense. I mean, they got a really good front seven at Kentucky. And, I mean, he put up 30 on them. And the thing that impresses me the most about it is, is he's able to drop it in the chimney. Like, I didn't know – he has improved his, first of all, arm strength, but second, like – the deep ball has become something he can do. And yeah. that was not the case a year ago. And so That's I give him guy. a lot of credit for working really hard to get better at that. Now, I mean, look, man, when they face Alabama in SEC championship game, um, I just – I don't – right now I have no idea who I would pick. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I would have to really take a lot of time considering it uh, – I've said to Travis, and we've debated this last week, that I think Bama losing was bad for the rest of the country. Uh, and K Travis has a completely different take that he says now you can see that they're vulnerable and can be beaten. Uh, I personally, I look at it the other way. I think it proved to all those younger players that they can get beat if they're not ready to play. And that, that makes it a lot easier on Saban to get them ready to play. So... It's just going to be a hell of a matchup, and yeah. uh, I can't wait to see what happens. I real, I, I think we're probably all in agreement that that's what we expect in the SEC championship game, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think so. I think that's yeah. I don't see Auburn beating Bama now. They they could, but I just don't. I of think course it's, they could, dude. It's Bo Nix, like, and it's going to be on the plains, and you just never that, that forget the record thing. Um, that one's going to be a monster in and the Iron Bowl this year. And it's not like Bama. I mean, Bama didn't look like Bama this past week in Kinsella's shoe. They look like a shell of themselves out there. So if they don't get it together, you're right. Because that game is at Auburn and Jordan Hare, Bo Nix is a different player at home. Hmm. It's just he a is. crazy year, man. Uh, you know, we, we take this thing on Mondays. We won't know what the college football playoff rankings look like until – Tuesday evening, but right now for me, I got Wes's Bulldogs at one. I still keep Bama at two. Um, I'm putting Ohio State in. They were at five last week, and I'm putting them in. Uh, I think they're one. I think that they are very dangerous. And I know Travis is the most biased person I know when it comes to his team. And last week, I I called out the fans for storming the field. Uh, this week, I'm, I'm, I know that Ryan Day probably listens to this podcast. Um, he does. Yeah, he's a subscriber. Oh, they, they, don't, they don't subscribe anymore. What do they do? Uh, they follow. Oh, they follow. Yeah, Subscri he follow subscribe this. the verbiages be for the people that there's podcasts that you can subscribe and pay for extra. Mm. Uh, Why do they got to make it so difficult? Change it all the time. It's technology. Like but Yeah, it's like Apple, man. As soon as you get used to your phone, they do an update. Or, you know, and your phone doesn't work anymore. <laughs> as soon as it's time for you to get a new cell phone, they zap it with some signal and it doesn't work anymore. But uh, 
Ryan Day, run the damn ball with Travion Henderson. He is arguably the best back in the country, and CJ Stroud's throwing it all over the yard like like 55 times. I think sometimes Ryan Day, he's so good and has so many plays that he thinks that he's at, you know, he's got this playbook of all these plays and, you know, he's at the Cheesecake Factory. Dumb it, <laughs> dumb it down and go to Chipotle and run and order the same thing over and over again. You're playing Nebraska. Go to 30, Canes. Yeah, go to Raising Canes, tell them extra <laughs> toast, hold the slaw, and run it down their throats. Stop ordering every different thing on the menu. He got too cute on Saturday. There's less than two minutes left, and he has C.J. Stroud throw the ball, and he fumbles it, and luckily the center falls on it and saves the game. Like, stop trying to be cute. I'm done. I like how opinionated Travis is about his Buckeyes. I like yes. that. I see Travis's timeline on, on a college football Saturday. And Travis tells us, if you have a thought from the weekend, don't tweet it out. Put it in your notes. But Travis does not follow his advice when it comes to a Buckeye football game. It is the no. live tweet, raw emotion, every single play. I you can it. also see that we should have like a line graph of blood alcohol content versus <laughs> anger management. <laughs> well and that's that's why at least with the noon games i'm you know actually 11 a.m for me now it's early where i just start when drinking when the game starts it's those later games that can get dangerous because it's like when do you like a night game it's like when do i start drinking you like you try to hold off maybe steal a nap in there at like that like that 415 window and then pour a drink but that's when it gets dangerous. Dude, you do just have to plan things brakes, out. Man. You don't you don't need to be completely on tilt at kickoff. Just just calm down, man. It's Ease it's impossible. Go for a run, take a nap, walk your Mix dog. Some electrolytes in there, Travis. Well, that's where yeah. take when, some noon tablets. If I do a vodka soda, the soda water and the ice give me my water intake that I need. I don't think that's science, man. Or what I, I could do is, is you could just mix like some Gatorade with your liquor. So you, you hydrate while you inebriate. Are you a jello so shot Travis, guy? Uh, oh. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not. If I'm at like a, a festival or something like that, 4th of July party, like, but jello shots just, I'm not 21 anymore. Like they're no. just, I mean, it's any shot. It's a hard no for me. I don't want any of them. I don't want anything to do with any of them. Any it's shot. Just, I'm 45 year old man. It, any shot at my age. Wait, so will, you, you wouldn't take like a shot of Jack no. and then have like a beer with it? No. Uh, well, anymore, I've, I've seen video of you it. being, I've no seen reason. video of you being forced to take a shot of Jack and the look on your face. Cause when it, was this? Uh, when you were with uh, Eric's concert and you were backstage and they forced you to take a shot. Well, that doesn't count. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that but the look. Count. That's but not that was part special. of this. No, I know yeah. it doesn't count, but the look on your face counted. Hey, they hurt. <laughs> let, let, me, let me read y'all something. This right here says uh, 47% alcohol. I'm not any sort of distiller, but I think that means 94 proof. Correct. So if you put that in your blood that quickly, 
Wait a minute. How am I? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It hurts. It so hurts uh, I have a bottle of the Jack Daniels uh, Eric Church one. And last year it was unopened. And I said I would open it when the Big Ten reinstated the season. So I made a drink then. That was the first time I ever opened it. And then when we beat Clemson uh, stupidly at like, I don't know, 1.30 in the morning, I tried to take a victorious shot. Mm. Uh, PSA, don't do that, people. <laughs> it <it's, laughs> it uh, was like getting punched in the face. Yeah, dude, just like calm down. See, what, Wes, we're going to have to walk him through this. this we're going to have to yeah, hold his is, hand. Well, well, Travis gets a lot of flack from uh, our... Yeah, dude, you got to pace yourself, man. Travis gets a lot of crap from um, our colleague Jim Casey about drinking his Tito's. And Jim's like a like a bourbon whiskey snob, okay? Drink what you want to drink. I just think, Travis, you do need to... I don't know, man. You, you got to actually have a glass of water. An ice cube... I I do have your a body is next giving to me. you the middle finger for saying that that is hydration. That is not true. Well, so wait till uh, the week of Thanksgiving. If you think I'm on like tilt now, it's uh, it's another level when we play the team up north. But I want to know, Wes, what are you like as a fan? What am I like? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it just kind of depends on what's going on. So Florida, Georgia, as a married game. man. Yeah, married man, dad now. I got to trade my chips in. Okay, so the past three weeks has been all Braves all the time. I went to game five, uh, you know, like left mama at home. Okay, so this past Saturday, George was playing the zoo. like New a fart game. in church. Yeah. George, <laughs> no, nah, she understood. She understood. But I had to, I almost made a PowerPoint. I was like, this is why. We need to go. That's why it's worth it. Uh, this past Saturday, though, I went to I, I went and did our grocery shopping during the Mizzou game, and I think that was more reflection on the opponent. No offense to Missouri, but as I walked <laughs> around and saw, as I walked around the aisles, man, I thought oh I was going to be gosh. alone in there. I saw like thirty Georgia fans. They're just not worried oh, anymore. They'll just run their errands now. Let me tell you something, son. On t on that note. So I'm the grocery shopper in our house. Laney hates a grocery store. I don't. It's fine. I don't mind it at all. Yeah. So I, same. I'm good with that responsibility in 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 the household. Saturday evening. So you know, normally the way we do it is we'll do Marty McGee SEC Nation. We get on an airplane and we go home. And so most of the time I'm here midway through the 3:30 CBS game, and most time I'll head over to the grocery store on Saturday evening. Dude, it is bedlam up in there. The Harris Teeter in Cornelius, North Carolina, is the epicenter of the globe. It, I mean, it's bananas. There, it's every aisle has five or six people in it. I don't know what's going on. I thought people partied on Saturdays and watched college football, but yeah. apparently they go to the Teeter. Well, and look I, at the high noons. I don't understand why you guys with kids and yeah, all these things on your plate. Why don't you have your Groceries like delivered are ready to be picked up there at the store. Because I don't want to pay five dollars oh, to do it. You, you know, about? you know, Travis, that's a good question. And it it's yeah, bucks, it's man. the it's the payment aspect, but it's also like I hate dealing with people online. 
I would rather just do it myself. I think I would you, rather talk to a person if, if something's broken at home, like, I don't know. I, I guess it's just a function of that. Are you worried that the honey crisp apple isn't going to be the one that you would picked? Yeah. You think I trust some 17 year old up at the Kroger to I, not pick out an apple that has a worm in it? I, I would, I, I understand I the produce it. side of things why you wouldn't, but like for some other trips, I'd, I'd, push that to have to have someone else do or you got to go in the morning that's the key sunday morning get out there early like if the grocery store opens up at seven be there like seven fifteen. i went to the Publix yesterday and there was nobody you you got a game plan when you go to the grocery store wait until you have children it's yeah. just a completely different equation by the way those shoulder pads on your uh, t-shirt there they could have landed the 747 on those things. This Look is those things, dude. this is circa 2005. Well, like this I is, saw I saw some Eddie George footage recently, and you talk about some shoulder pads, son. Those things were some monsters. They, I think, maybe once a year, every team has to play in a retro game, throwback unis, but also throwback pads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, can you imagine if you saw Leonard Fournette in these bulky shoulder pads? What that would have been? Man, I saw Leonard having to wear hip pads and knee pads. I actually texted my buddies at LSU because I saw Leonard either last Sunday or the one. He Sunday still wears before. those shoulder pads, dude. That man is humongous. He's gotten bigger. Like I, he was already huge at LSU, but he is a an absolute unit. And yeah, he wears LSU shoulder pads. Doesn't a honey badger too? I think a lot uh, of those guys. I know do. Devin. I think Devin White does. Yeah, you see that purple coming out Andy of that. But, but yeah, I mean the pads these days are so tiny. I mean, what was it? Uh, one of the Bennett brothers basically didn't wear shoulder pads. Yeah, Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett just had his yeah. shoulders. Like, there's something about watching Eddie George run down with those bulky shoulder pads, and it's crazy. Like. 2005 2006 the pads were humongous it's not that long ago i that's what i'm gonna push for i'm gonna call greg sankey and see if he'll champion it for me is that your platform so you're running on that platform once a once a year every team has a retro game throwback unis throwback pads how many snaps on your hat are you using there uh there's two that aren't being used how many snaps you got Wes? I got a tiny, tiny melon. I got a little I'm pea all head. Way, I'm all the way strapped yeah. up here. I got I'm a big all the head. Way too. Yeah, yeah that's got, a melon, bro. I was just looking at how many snaps you actually, got going on. There's there. three. There's three that aren't being used. Yeah, I was gonna say two. Two's a little bit too conservative there. I think you need to. I think you need to up that number just a tick. <laughs> Do you want me to move one more? <laughs> no, it looks great. I'm just saying, but like the, I can tell that thing's stretched at a limit. <laughs> That's that's not very nice. <laughs> Truth hurts sometimes. Uh, I tell you what, Wes, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a deal with you. Uh, this Saturday, Ohio State plays Purdue, which scares the scares living. you to death. Yes, uh, I'm fun. going to they've do. Already, they've emptied their chamber. I'm take that back, please. Um, I'm going to do my best and put the phone down. During the three thirty game, no, yeah, dude, you don't, don't put the phone down. Just your open your notes and write your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tweet out my thoughts. I'm going to put it in the notes, and then we can okay. revisit it. That's fine. 
Back to the CMAs, though. What what are you looking forward to the most non uh, Eric related? Uh, look, Laney and I love going to that show. We love it. You get to see the best of the best uh, in the industry do their thing. Um, certainly, the most celebrated do their thing. Uh, I would love to see, you know. Sturgill Simpson and Cody Johnson up there playing too, but mm -hmm. that's uh, that's just me. Um, I love the lineup that they have this year, and uh, it's always fun just to see that evening. I think that we as a unit should kind of go through a couple of these lists and make our picks. I, I've got it pulled up right now. Um, All right. So let's start, you would let's say, start Marty, with song that you, of the year. So you're going to be upset if – like if Eric doesn't win entertainer of the year or if he doesn't win vocalist of the year or, or what, nope. what, are, what is that? What is your stance here? I will tell you looking at the uh, entertainer of the year group. Uh, I don't know it's, how it's I strong, can be upset. Man. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I'm, I'm almost being facetious in saying I'm going to be standing up cussing. And this because... is Eric Church, Luke Combs, Miranda Lambert, Stapleton and Carrie Underwood ballers yeah all of them are ballers um i mean i i don't know who's gonna win but I, I i think luke's gonna end up winning and what's your reasoning i think right now he is he crosses over everything like he's he's moved into that even non-country fans are fans of him and embraced him and he's just kind of right now that guy like his his tour is taken off his his albums and like i think he just has everything that they want to he win breathes on a microphone and it's a number one hit sound yeah like. i think i think yeah. he's they're gonna give it to him because i, I think right, there's so other things at play that you know he, they, he crosses over outside of country music fans that they kind of want to i think a lot of people on this list do mm -hmm. i think a whole lot of those individuals are are celebrated outside of the country music genre i mean you got adele right now saying she chris stapleton mm -hmm. is her dream collaboration i can't wait to hear that song um, it's gonna be unreal so I mean, it, it's it's impossible to make a pick. I just um, – every single one of these five individuals is worthy of the – Miranda Lambert the has banner. personally grown on me a lot this past year. I like the sound that she has uncovered, I guess. It is a lot more uh, – she's had a lot more acoustic kind of tracks. Um, I don't know. She's always been great, but – I don't know, this past year I found myself listening to her a lot more. But you're right, you can't lose with this group right here. Um, but my gut, I'm with you, Travis. I feel like it's Luke. I just feel like he has so much momentum. I, I don't know. I don't see it really being anyone but him, but can't lose. All right, so what did you say, Marty? Song of the year? Sing Hold on, let's go. Single let, of me, the year. Let, me scroll, let me scroll down here uh, to my list. All right, we're going to start with – Song of the year because it's about the writers. Mm. All right, you got okay. Forever After All, Luke, Drew Parker, and Robert Williford. The good ones, Gabby Barrett, 
Zach Kale, Emily Landis, and Jim McCormick. Hell of a view, Chief, Casey, and Monty. One night Casey standards. just smiling in that pick. Yeah, man. What a stud. <laughs> uh, one night standards, Ashley, Nicole Hayford, and Shane McAnally. And starting over, Chris mm. and Mike Henderson. Again, I mean, like, it's like picking a kid. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it really is. To me, this one's probably between forever after all and hell of a view. And hell of a view got me through COVID. So, uh, if I mean, look, if if hell of a view ain't it, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I could see that one. I could see some. I could see Stapleton grabbing this one. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, interesting you, you mentioned know. hell of a view getting you through COVID. Like starting over could have been that song for a lot of people too, because it came out. You know, it's like about starting over, like. It's it's crazy how how competitive Church and Stapleton are this year on so many different uh, categories. Yeah, but it just uh, it makes perfect sense that they're in so many categories. <laughs> yep. uh, <clears throat> all right, so our nominees for Album of the Year: uh, Twenty Nine, Carly Pierce, Dangerous Morgan, Heart Chief. Skeletons, Brothers Osborne, and starting over Stapleton. Uh, I mean, it's just, again, this is an impossible decision to make. Um, I can't wait to see how they all vote. Uh, of course, uh, Hart is amazing. Look, it depends on what they, what, what they want, what statement wants to be made. I mean, Morgan's record is insane. Congratulations to him. He just sold out Rupp Arena three consecutive nights and sold 36,000 tickets in like 90 minutes. Um, well, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked to people about it. There's a lot of uh, political games that are played with some of the, with these awards and who do they want to win it. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, what kind of statement do they want? And the other thing is, Fans have always known it, but I feel like of late, fans are kind of making it known when they're not happy with how some of these awards are given out. And so I wonder if some of that pushback will start to maybe change how they go about the voting for these things. Because now, because you know, we talked about Twitter, social media has given the fans a voice and be able to express when they're unhappy with how things go because they feel that the wrong person won. This is going to be a fascinating show. I, I'm so excited we get to go. Do you uh, do you have your uh, suit and shoes picked out? I do. What are we uh, going with? Lainey, Lainey has labored over the dress that she's going to wear. I mean, this has been – I mean, it's been like she did like been shopping for a wedding dress or something. I mean, it's been – it has given her so much heartburn. Um, yeah, I am going to wear my black camo suit coat. And maybe some cowboy boots. Oh, okay. Jeans. So we're not go I didn't know if you'd go Jays or No, I don't think so. I may go Jays. Who knows? All right, male vocalist of the year, Dirks, Chief, Luke, TR, and Chris. That's an impossible one. Female vocalist of the year, Gabby Barrett, Miranda, Ashley McBride, Marin, Morris, and Carly Pierce. And as we said, entertainer of the year is Chief Luke, Miranda, Chris, and Carrie. And 
I think Carly. Uh, I think Carly wins uh, female vocalist of the year. Do you? Yeah. I think back yeah, to the momentum. Like she has that momentum. The yeah. momentum. She has a lot of momentum. But she's got man, that album. Ashley McBride does too. I, I agree. I, I think again, this goes into uh, Carly being a more uh, a bigger brand outside of the country world. Why does that matter? I, I think it matters to a lot of people that they want to exp- expand. I don't think the voting is always who the best is. It's what they want to happen. Yeah, it doesn't matter to us per se, but we have to take into account, like, are we are we picking who we think should win or are we picking who we think will win? And if that's the case, then then yeah, I think it's Carly. For female, I, I think I think Ashley's the best, but I don't. It's kind God. of, it's almost like she's so good, so damn good. It's almost like picking the CFP. Is it the best or deserving? There we go. Now so, we're getting somewhere. It's a lot like, and there's a lot of politics. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I can't wait to get there. I'll report back next Wednesday or whatever the hell day we do this. I'll report back next Monday. On my experience, I'm going to see Eric twice in a week. I'll see him uh, Wednesday night, and then he's playing Thompson Bowling Arena on Friday night at the University of Tennessee, and we will be there for Marty and McGee. Oh, wow. So I am going to. So that means you will be. It, you're not even going to be partly cloudy. It's just a full blown oh. thunderstorm for you on Saturday morning. Yeah, it's going to be a tornadic event on uh, Saturday morning <laughs> on the ten- Tennessee campus for, for old Martin over here. Just have them send a runner uh, over to pick you up from the hotel because you're not gonna you're gonna need like ten wake up calls, a couple coffees. Does yeah, Laney go on the road be- with you often for these things, or is this a, like a special she, occasion? She will just be going with me on. She doesn't go very often. Wes, you think Laney cares but, about the sports shows that he does? Laney, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I've ruined my wife on sports. I mean, she. She doesn't watch him anymore. So. I think there's maybe. So I, I think we've done four interviews that Laney has cared about. It was Patrick Dempsey, Chase Rice, because he was on Survivor, uh, and then maybe one other person. Like it, she don't care about the sports stuff, does she, Marty? She will be coming to Tennessee uh, because she wants to see Eric play on Friday night, and she'll see Marty and McGee live for the first time. Actually, wow. So, yep, it's gonna be a good time. Can't wait to get there. Uh, love that campus. Love that place. I was just there to do a big feature on Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's quarterback. He's a great kid, uh, great young man. Who they had a huge win on Saturday night. You can feel that thing shifting. You can feel mm. it shifting in a hurry, and that's really hard to do. You know, changing a, a program game. and changing a culture is a hell of a challenge. And man, has Josh Heupel done a good job? And he really has, man. Has done such a good job. Uh, I wonder how Wes uh, feels about this weekend. I think you know, uh, I, I have a lot of friends who are Tennessee fans, and uh, I grew up in Metro Atlanta. Okay, so a melting pot of families, and you know, we're from around the southeast, or whatever. So a lot of my friends saw Tennessee have a great amount of success in the '90s, and that's all I heard about when Georgia was not having a great amount of success, and. Um, they're still some of my best friends. So I feel like I know that program pretty well. And I think it's interesting that like people understand realistically 
Georgia is favored in the game. Obviously, they'll probably win, more than likely win. But the conversation going into this game is, does Tennessee have what it takes to score the most points against Georgia? Like, that's that's the barometer. And I don't know if it's that hot of a take to say that they do. And I kind of expect that they will. I think going in to Rocky Top, it's always difficult, no matter how good Tennessee is. And uh, I think they have what it takes to score, I think, what is it? 30 was it 13 is the mark right now so yeah I, I expect Tennessee 13. to score more than 13 against Georgia well think about it I mean we saw Tennessee compete against Bama so it's they're they're no longer that game where you're just like we'll win and get the you know, starters will get pulled like it's a game that as a fan you're like a little on edge like this season's been crazy is this is the this, SEC man is this the week that we get got or is it gonna is this ride gonna keep con- continuing but you can't right now just take a, a game against Tennessee as a victory. You can't just assume that. No. Speaking of the CMAs, um, our buddy Breland will be performing with Dirks Bentley and Hardy there at the 55th CMA Awards. And last week you guys heard part one of my conversation with Breland, and it's time for part two. Thank you so much for the response to part one. I've heard from so many of you guys about how much you enjoyed that. Part two's every bit as good. What a unique path. Here is part two of our conversation with Breland on the Marty Smith podcast here at Outsider. Recently, you've toured or played with or collaborated with Keith Urban, Dirks Bentley, Chase Rice, just to name a few. Yeah. Who have you met? And uh, I know you did just uh, tell us one just a second ago that might be this answer. Who left you the most speechless that they knew you and knew your work? Hmm. I mean, honestly, I think when it came to when it came to Keith reaching out, that one really surprised me. Uh, and, and mostly just because it was so early in my career. I literally only had maybe two songs out and uh, he reached out and was like, hey, what's up? It's Keith Urban. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Uh, I am working on my album right now. I think it's mostly done, but I have one song left and I want to make it with you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, yo, start to finish this. Everything in this message is ridiculous. Uh, and he was like, yeah, just let me know, you know, whenever you're in Nashville. And I wasn't living in Nashville at the time I was living in Atlanta. And I was like, I'll be there tomorrow, dude. I'll be there tomorrow morning. And I, I drove up and, and went to his house at like 8am. I'd left at like five in the morning and he was like, he was like, oh, dude, I'm not even ready. So I just, <laughs> he was like, you could, you can wait in the studio. He didn't know I was coming that early, but I was so eager. Uh, and we ended up making a couple songs on that, on that trip. One is Out the Cage that I'm featured on on his project. And then the second one is uh, Throw It Back that I put out featuring him. But just the fact that he had his ear to the streets so much that he knew of a new artist that only had a couple songs out and then also wanted to work with that person just kind of shows me how much of a visionary he is and, and how much of a true creative he is. He wasn't playing any of the industry politic games. He was just like, I like what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. I would like for you to be a part of what I'm doing. And it happened. And I think that one really blew my mind. I'd imagine. I mean, that's one of the that's one of those guys. That's one of those mega stars who has nothing left to prove, who's done it all, and who continues to evolve, which is beautiful in that format is the evolution process. What impact does a superstar collaboration or endorsement have on a young artist's career and credibility? 
I mean, it's it's major. It's major. It's like the equivalent of being uh, recruited by an SEC school or Ohio State for football, or so, you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's that validation. You could have ended up going D three and doing D three collaborations, and sometimes those people still make it to the league. But the chances definitely go up when you have have the backing of uh, of some of those powerhouses. And I think you know having music with Keith, but also more importantly when it comes to some of these guys that I have music's with, music with and then also uh, some of these partnerships that I've done, like the Chevy partnership, it gives me a chance to learn. You know, I'm as a young artist and as a young business person, these are all people that I learn from and, and can ask questions. And there's an element of mentorship there. And I would say even, even with the Chevy partnership, just seeing what that looks like and, and what we can create and, and how to, continue to build that relationship as well as the relationships with the artists that I'm working with. All of those things are, are important lessons for a young artist and a young entrepreneur to learn. So I just look at it as a student, you know, I'm excited to be here to have, have a seat at a lot of these tables and to be able to soak up game from people and organizations that have been doing this for a lot longer than me. Yeah, I want to dive into the the Chevy relationship a little further in just a minute, but yeah. well, let's discuss a couple more of these artists first. For sure. Another friend of yours is Dirks Bentley. Yeah. You, you went out on a road with Dirks. Uh, yep. What impact did that have and what did you learn from him? Yeah, that was major. I mean, Dirks has obviously had a lot of success at, at country radio in particular, and his live show is is just a blast. But he, he took – the single that I'm featured on, Beers on Me, uh, with my guy Hardy as well. He he put he took that single to country radio at a time where I hadn't had any success at country radio. So for him to kind of extend uh, his platform to help introduce me to a whole new audience and then to be on the road with him because my my shows I'm doing small clubs, you know. So we've got 200, 300 cap venues and I, I love doing it because people come out and you know especially when we sell out there's a lot of energy in that room but it's really hard to compete with with knowing that Dirks is out here with 10 to 15,000 people a night and I get to come out on stage with him and sing a couple songs and and that energy is is electric and so uh, it's just helped me. It's helped me grow a lot as a performer. Obviously, it's helped me uh, at country radio. And also, he's another person that's been at this for a good 20 years and, and just someone that I look up to. And he does a lot of things the right way. The only way that you can survive and thrive as an artist for that long is if you're treating people well and if you're working hard. And I think that's what I want to do. I want to be able to, to treat people well and then continue to work hard. And if you don't let your foot up uh, off the pedal in either of those regards, good things tend to happen. It's funny, man. My kids are so tired of hearing it. I've said it on this podcast before. I said it to your guy, Chase Rice. We just had him on in awesome. that seat that, that you're in or right beside the one you're in here recently. I feel like in a world of uncontrollables, we control three things every day. We control kindness, we control effort, and we control passion. Yep. We decide if we're going to be nice. We decide how bad we want it and how hard we're willing to work. And we decide if we're going to have an undeniable positive energy. That's that is us. true. That's ours. Right. And it's exactly what you're saying right there. And you're right. Dirks is the embodiment of that. Definitely. He's a wonderful man. human being. Yeah. All of the people that, I, that I've collaborated with, I've been really fortunate that all of them are really good guys and, and girls. They're just... 
country music in particular, I think people tend to be a little bit more relatable. It's not a whole lot of people that have ego, you know, and, and I honestly believe that if you're writing songs and performing songs, you should never have an ego. You should never get caught up in the, oh, people think I'm this, people, you know, I, I might be, you can't ever drink your own Kool-Aid because you have to continue to be able to relate to people. That's what it's about. And the minute you lose that relatability, people aren't going to continue to listen to your music. So I think there definitely are more artists who are able to accomplish that in, in country music than otherwise. But even with a guy like Nelly, who's kind of country adjacent, and I have a couple songs uh, that I've written with Nelly and one that we have out, but he's just one of the nicest guys and super down to earth. And you can have a real conversation with him. And I think for all of those people, that's part of why I'm in the position I'm in is that I've been able to connect with people who have, who have extended, uh, you know, Hey, come perform with me or hop on this song or come do this thing. And, and they, they care about me as a person and my well being, and vice versa, where it's real relationships. And when you have, uh, collaborations with people that you have real relationships with. It's even doper when that song does well or when you crush it after a performance or any number of those things. You do a really good job of using sports analogies that are very relatable to your business and your path and your passion. I have to believe, I'm not, I've not met Nelly. Yeah. I have to believe he does the same thing. <laughs> yes. Am I right? You are, yes. you are entirely correct, man. I, I mean, Nelly is a, a part owner of, of the Hornets and a really big sports fan and, and has been for a number of years. Like when we wrote the song high horse, the Sixers were playing, who were we playing? might've been the uh, Raptors. Anyway, we, the Sixers lost in the last 15 seconds of the game, but we were coming up with this, with this hit song. <laughs> and I was like, you know, like, that's a tough, that's a tough moment. And I was just like, yo, I was like, Nelly, give me like five minutes. I'm gonna shake it off. I'm gonna be back. And I'm, we finish up this verse. And he was like, what happened? I was like, I showed him the score. He was like, oh, he's like, that's killer. And he totally got it. He totally understood it. And I was like, okay, cool. You and me, we're, we're, we're right here. Sports fans, in music, Chase is another guy, and Dirks too. Honestly, they all they all love sports, and and I think that's part of why I connect with them is because we have things even outside of music that I'm like we could just hang out and watch something, and and that's obviously a really a really easy way to to form relationships. Sure is. Uh, all right, let's discuss the Chevy relationship. How did that materialize? Yeah, man. So. My truck had kind of kind of been popping on TikTok. It's it's the song that put me on the map, and Chevy wanted to launch a TikTok and and kind of do the whole TikTok campaign for uh, their new Silverado. And it was kind of an organic partnership with them, given that the that the song had done so well on TikTok, and they had the idea to to partner up and do like a Chevy specific version of the song, kind of reimagine some of the lyrics uh, with, with some, some custom lines about the trucks that we were trying to sell. And it, it just made a lot of sense, man. They understand that the future of everything is diverse, right? The, there's nothing that's going to just be uh, monolithic moving forward, monochromatic. Everything is is going to be diverse. And I think they, they recognize that and, and wanted to reach a younger and more diverse group of 
hopefully future future truck drivers and truck owners and people who want to be a part of that community. And that song inspired a lot of people <laughs> to, to buy trucks. Uh, when it came out, I got a bunch of messages from people like, Oh my gosh, like I love this song and I don't even have a truck. The next vehicle I'm getting is going to be a truck. And I think they kind of peeped that and, and felt like it would be a good idea to join forces. And, and it, it was, it was a really successful campaign. The, the initial campaign on TikTok, we got like some 80 million views, which was <laughs> that's insane, man. Which is like, crazy. It, it, TikTok's crazy. TikTok I, is I'm, crazy. It's funny, bro. Right now, right now, as you and me speak, my wife is upstairs in our home here in Charlotte. She is trying her damnedest to figure out how we grow TikTok for my ESPN life. Because yeah. when you see, and it's it, look, it's not just you. It's so many of your peers, especially it, it's so interesting to me. 90s country stars like Tracy Lawrence and Travis Tritt and yep. some other guys that we've had on this podcast have all said to me, we are figure, trying to figure out TikTok. Yeah. Because it's a mate, a Clay Walker. They're all trying yeah. to figure this thing out because it's just such a perfect, um, what's the right word? There are no obstacles. It's a direct conduit to the fan. Yep. Yeah, and, and also just the way that their algorithm is, anything can go viral. Right. You could put something up that – you could put a simple, silly five-second video up on TikTok, and it could, in a matter of hours, be seen by millions of people. They're really – for no money, right? Like, there's no, there's no other platform – on the internet or elsewhere that you can just put something up and then millions of people who don't even follow you can see it because it's a, it's an avalanche type of an app where once something, once a certain amount of people engage with it, they open it up to even more people and they open it up to even more people and you can't beat that. And so I think Chevy realized this is the easiest way for us to, to reach a new and younger audience of people uh, and, and it was a successful campaign. So I, you know, they, they nailed it when it came to that. And from there, we just had, a, had a really good time shooting that and working together. And they were like, we want to do more stuff. And I was like, that's great. Cause I want to do more stuff. Uh, and that kind of led us to our, our most recent iteration of the campaign, uh, with the, uh, season opener. I love it. Uh, just full disclosure, uh, I am a, a Ram Trucks guy. I have a Ram Trucks PSA through the college football playoff and ESPN. Uh, but it is indisputable that the Chevy Silverado is the official truck of country music. <laughs> I mean, that truck, that truck is everywhere. In, like, you know, Morgan's, Morgan's uh, uh, single Silverado for sale is yeah. outrageously I mean that's that's to me that to me is a copyright song. We're going to be singing that song thirty years from now. Yeah, for sure. And it's just uh, that I'm going to have to put that out on uh, on social media. Is is the Silverado the official truck of country music? And I know you will vote yes. Oh, uh, I will definitely. All right, a vote couple yes. more, couple more, and I'll get you out of here. I, I'm sorry that we've kept you so long already. Oh, dude, but, you're, uh, you're good, man. I saw a note. You were talking about how country music now has no boundaries and the diversity that's coming in. Right. I saw a note on social media of a guy who said, Hey, I doubted you. I didn't give you any <laughs> chance, but yeah. you changed my tune. You did it. Yeah. What does that tell you about what you're doing when you get that type of feedback? Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's an odd message to to get in a way because it's like, well, why did you doubt me in the first place, right? But right. <laughs> but then secondly, it's exactly. like everybody has their their perceptions, and I think especially when you have a song that's kind of you know fun, kind of tongue in cheek, uh, like my truck that blows up on the internet, a lot of people don't realize that it wasn't just a, a happy accident. It was years of me putting in work to be able to create a song like that intentionally and then be able to make other songs after it. They don't see all of the work that goes in on the front end. So to them, it seems like a, I'm not going to say that I'm Tom Brady, but I will say that a lot of people doubted Tom Brady when he came into the NFL and he has literally proven everyone wrong. People came in, they're like, he's slow. He's all of the things that they said on his, on his scouting report coming out of Michigan for him to then come off the bench and become the greatest quarterback of all time. I feel like no one really knows what someone is capable of. And as you said, with those three things, with, with effort and passion and was it kindness? Yep. Yeah, with those three things, you control your own destiny in that regard. You can put that, that work in to get however far you believe you can get. No one else can put a cap on that. So I don't really, it doesn't really bother me that people doubt me because they don't know what it is that I'm capable of and they don't know the full complement of skills and drive that I have to use those skills to go towards something meaningful. So I guess for me, I just try to try to remember that I don't have to prove them wrong. I don't do it to prove them wrong, but I know that I will inevitably prove a lot of people wrong in the process so long as I stay focused on what it is that I set out to do. That's amazing. Uh, I, I, I can relate to what you're saying so well because I, when I first became a journalist, I was a writer. I was a writer for six years. I moved to TV. The, when, I, when I left for TV, for ESPN, uh, people that I worked with before scoffed. They laughed in my face. You're never right. going to make it. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying this? Well, then I covered auto racing all the way through 2014 exclusively. That's all I was. ESPN saw something in me. They dropped me in college football. Everybody's like, what in the world is this hillbilly doing covering college football? And then that really worked. So they moved me into golf as well. They moved me into horse racing, these things where I was completely foreign to the consumer base. Right. But I'm like, I listen, I won't be outpassioned. I won't be outworked. Just watch. Just watch what happens. Yeah. And it's the same thing you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I love it. I love that. I love seeing that shift when somebody comes around and goes, hey, I was wrong about you, man. Yeah. And, and you know, they have, they have to eventually, there's a certain point where, where, you've, where you've done a, a number of things where they can no longer deny what, what it is that's happening. And I think, uh, you know, it's good to, to, to see those things, but also it's good to, to have that internal fire of knowing regardless of what anybody might think you're capable of, where you know that there's more left in store for you and where you believe it and, and go out and, and do it. Um, I want to jump back to that tweet a minute or whatever it was, Instagram, something. Do you, do yeah. you get a lot of criticism? And if you do, how do you manage that? Yeah, I, I get a lot of criticism from people who are either uh, kind of, you know, more traditional country fans or even more traditional uh, hip hop fans who maybe don't appreciate the, the mixing of the two, but 
the way that I respond to it is I don't think anyone has ever made history doing something exactly the same way as someone else. All of the people that we have referred to in music and in sports have done something differently. And people would have probably said that a, a quarterback like Lamar Jackson would never be able to win MVP because he's an unconventional quarterback. He's not like a traditional pocket passer. That's how I see myself. I'm like a mobile quarterback in a way where it's like I can run for 100 yards, but I can also stand back here and pass for 250. I might not have the 400-yard passing game, but I might have 400 total yards at the end of the game. That's how I feel. I'm bringing uh, different skills in, and people just haven't seen someone with that particular amalgamation of skills to be able to recognize what's possible. But that's not to say that it isn't valid or that it won't work. That is a beautiful analogy. And, and on top of what you're saying, not only does Lamar Jackson have that skill set, he also went to an organization and a coach that allowed him to accentuate that skill set because they took what he was and built around what he is. Right. They did not try to make him something that he is not. And if right. you have a label and you have people like Keith Urban and Dirks Bentley and, yeah. and Chase and all these folks believing in you and letting you run the offense that you were born to run, right. then you have a much better opportunity to become great and exactly. win an MVP. Yeah, it, it would be really easy from a music industry perspective to be like, okay, we have to, we have to make him like more country. We have to make him more whatever. But it's like, well, let me, let me just be myself and, and understand that I love country music. I love hip hop. I love gospel. I love r and I'm going to try to continue to blend it as best as I know how, because that's what I feel called to do. And that's what I think I'm good at doing as an artist. And it, it seems to be working and, and, Luckily, I do have a lot of people around me on the industry side, but also a lot of supporters who listen to the music who can respect that I'm doing it a little bit differently. And that that definitely feels good to have that support. Well, we certainly do here at Outsider, brother. Uh, I love your spirit. I'm so grateful that you took the time to, to spend that time with me and with us today and our listeners. They're going to learn a lot about you listening to this. And uh, again, uh, if, if you ever decide that you're done creating excellence in the, in the music space and you want to be a, a, a sports analyst, you just let me know because <laughs> you're, you're ready. You're ready, hey, man. man. You are ready. I, I watch a lot of different sports and, and I, to be able to come on here and chat with you about music and sports, which are my two favorite things, I really appreciate you having me on here. Thank you so much, man. Be well and God bless. Thank you, man. Likewise. Breland's on fire. Um, what a unique talent, and I love the way that he's approaching everything with such tremendous humility and tremendous gratitude for the opportunities that he's getting and he's earning. I love how he says that Keith Urban reaches out to him, and he immediately gets to Nashville, and Keith's like, I'm, I'm not ready yet. I, I need a, a couple more hours, but that's just how his energy and the, him labeling it as cross-country I think is a great – way to describe people always get up in arms on is it country or is it whatever like this cross country is a great way to describe it yeah like yeah it's country it's a little pop it's a little this it's a little that like it could be country and also some other genres and i think his phrase of it is awesome yeah good's good i mean I, th there are certainly still genres in terms of 
the way that artists are slotted and what they're trying to accomplish. But these days, especially with, with newer country music, um, almost all of it is crossing lines, uh, at least the commercial, the commercial country music. So congratulations to him. We really appreciate him coming in and, and sitting in the studio and hanging out with us and having a good time. And thanks to both of you knuckleheads. I love spending time with y'all. Thank you for taking the time to hang out here. Uh, we'll do it every week, y'all. If you enjoy it, Travis, what do they do? Rate, review, and follow. They rate, review, and follow. Don't subscribe my- yet. We're free. You don't have to rate, subscribe. Travis, just, Travis, that thing must have been getting tight on that noggin. He just opened it up a little further. Yeah. I was just trying he went to all the way guys. to one. Is there only one button fixed? Two. What is he doing, Wes? The largest knucklehead in the studio I mean, belongs to Travis. Look at that. Uh, I, shameless plug here. Travis is also working on us for you Yellowstone fans out there on launching a recap show each week. And the first one just hit the uh, airwaves, I guess you could say, uh, yeah. Monday. So yeah, we, we won't say anything. We don't want to spoil anything. But if you're a Yellowstone fan, it, it's out there on Spotify and uh, yeah. Outsiders pushing it out there on their social media accounts. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot coming at Outsider. We have so much exciting stuff on the horizon that we can't wait to share with you guys, not only verbally, but uh, in your living room. Sanskrit. Sanskrit, too. Yeah, we might uh, send some smoke signals, speak some Sanskrit, uh, and send a T-shirt. But thank you all. Uh, We love having the opportunity to spend this time with you. Thank you for your investment in us and your time and and fellowship. Uh, Oh, one thing that somebody sent me on social media, Lainey told me that somebody wrote me and said, hey, fellowship is not a verb. Fellowship Mm -hmm. is a noun. They've Uh, never been to the churches that I've been to. They ain't been... (laughs) They ain't been to my church because it's a verb. <laughs> anyway, I love fellowshipping with you two idiots. Have a great day, and we'll do it again next time around. One more time, thank you so much to our law enforcement officials all over the country. Thank you so much to our fire and rescue teams, our EMTs and first responders, and every single veteran and every single active member of the United States military, all branches. We are grateful for your sacrifice. This is the Marty Smith Podcast with Travis and Wes on Outsider. Have a great week, y'all.